Well, we're going to have our Bible reading just now, and we're going to turn to Psalm chapter, uh, Psalms 12, uh, the 12th Psalm. We've been working our way in the morning services through our Ten Commandments, and we're coming this morning to the Ninth Commandment, which is do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Do not lie, perhaps we sum it up as. And in Psalm 12, we, we read the David's uh, reflections on 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 this world of flattering lips and uh, lying words and the heart, the, 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 the harm that that does and the fact that we need the Lord in the midst of this. So Psalm 12, uh, if you've got one of the Pew Bibles, it's page 948, 948. Oh, sorry, 548, 548. Psalm 12. Help, Lord. For the godly are no more. The faithful have vanished from among men. Everyone lies to his neighbor. Their flattering lips speak with deception. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and every boastful tongue that says, We will triumph with our tongues. We own our lips. Who is our master? Because of the oppression of the weak and the groaning of the needy, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. O Lord, you will keep us safe and protect us from such people forever. The wicked freely strut about, when what is vile is honored among men. Amen. We trust that God will help us understand his word today. Well, we come uh, this morning then to look at this ninth commandment. The Bible says in Exodus 20, verse uh, 16, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. I'm sure most of us are getting Uh, tired of the ceaseless election coverage in the media at the moment. The interviewers are getting increasingly aggressive, the politicians increasingly evasive, if even that were possible. And uh, it it makes me want to to turn over at times. But but one of the things that I'm aware of has uh, sort of risen in the public consciousness now this time uh, that I wasn't so aware of last time is the, the role of the fact checker. I don't know if you have been aware of that, but now whenever a politician says something or a party makes a claim or releases a manifesto, their claims are fact checked. Uh, big media organizations employ people to do this, to, to check the claims that have been made against reality. And of course, they point, have great delight in pointing out where those claims deviate from the truth. And of course, that's our, our understanding of what truth is. As creatures, you see, we, we know at some level that the things that we say need to correspond to reality, that that's what truth is. They need to be, our words need to be able to withstand the fact checker. And that's a testimony to the fact that we've, we're those who are created in God's image. We have something of his a stamp upon us, his nature stamped upon us and hardwired into us, we have a certain hunger for the truth, therefore, because God is truth and speaks the truth. And he has given expression to that in the ninth commandment, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. 
Now, it's interesting, actually, that, that while the fact-checker is in vogue at the moment, and that rests upon an understanding of the truth that's sometimes called the, the correspondence view of the truth, where, where, where the things that are said need to correspond to reality, and that's what truth is. But, but actually, in, in other areas of society, society is running very much the other way. Relativism is one of the opponents of that view, and it's a very different view of truth altogether. It says, really, there's no such thing as truth. There's no such thing as universal truth. Truth is just relative. And so you'll hear people say, well, that might be true for you, but it's not true for me. And they'll, they'll, they'll say that, especially about religious claims. So if we are to say, Jesus is Lord, someone might say, well, well, that's true for you, but it's not true for me. But actually that statement, Jesus is Lord, is one of those statements that either corresponds to reality or it doesn't. It's either true or false. Jesus is either Lord of the universe or not at all. So, so we, we, we are people who should hunger after that real truth, that, that true truth, as, as Francis Schaeffer used to talk about. Well, the original context of this commandment, as you might imagine from the way that it is phrased, is the courtroom. In ancient Israel, justice very much depended upon the truthfulness of witnesses. That's not so much the case now, now we have CCTV and DNA evidence and all of that thing. And yet, if you've been involved in any legal process, you know that, that uh, witnesses are, are, are still a key part of, of what it means to establish the truth. And, and very much that was the case in the, in the Bible's time. Uh, things had to be done indeed on the testimony of two or three witnesses because uh, the Bible recognized the propensity of justice to go wrong if there was only one witness. And while the initial setting, therefore, is the courtroom, this is a, a call to truthfulness in every, every area of life. We, we know that in some ways the, the Ten Commandments are like little headings that open up all sorts of, of uh, uh, corresponding truths that, that fall out from what they say. Jesus would later say, let your yes be yes and your no, no. So this is calling God's people and all people indeed to be people who speak the truth to be people of integrity as far as their words are concerned. Well, that's a challenge, isn't it? Because we know that one of the things that the Ten Commandments do for us is they, they hold a mirror up to our lives, and, and they help us to see that, that while we may aspire to certain things, we, we fall short so very, very quickly. And, and we see that with all of the commandments. We've seen that in, in, in some sense, in every way, in every commandment, we, we fall short. We are uh, lawbreakers in every area. And so, so one of the, the ways that we tend to navigate through these commandments is, is that sort of outline of Tim Keller's that we've sometimes referred to where it says, here's what the Bible says. Here's why we can't do it. Jesus has gone and done it. Now let's go and do it. Now, that's been really helpful for me to understand some of the Bible's commands. Here's what the Bible tells us to do. Here's why we can't do it. Jesus has done it. Now, in the power of Christ, let's go and do that. Well, we're going to think a little then about this commandment. So, first of all, what's the problem? What is the, the problem that this commandment highlights? Well, it is that we are people who have an interesting relationship with the truth, as, as people might put it uh, these days. We, we lie and we do not tell the truth in all sorts of directions in our sort of key relationships to ourselves, to God, to others. Let's think about these a little. 
We lie to ourselves. You know we're talking to ourselves all the time? Sometimes, some of us do it out loud. Uh, but, but all of us are talking to ourselves all of the time. There's self-talk going on all of the time. And we, we comment to ourselves on our plans and our experiences and our reactions. And what we say to ourselves is really crucially important. But the Bible tells us that we have a problem. Because in Jeremiah 17, 8, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and, who, and, and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So, so that's going to mean that we have an ability and a propensity to deceive ourselves, to lie to ourselves. So, so we're going to rationalize our actions. We're going to tell ourselves that somebody deserved it even when they didn't. We're going to tell ourselves that we're right even when we're not. And, and most of all, we, we tend to tell ourselves that we're better than we are. Romans 12, 3 says, Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment. And so the Bible has to tell us that because we've got a problem. We, we do tend to think of ourselves more highly than we are. And one of the effects of that that we've, maybe many of us have seen in our lives at a time is that we tell ourselves that we don't really need a Savior. That, that's been true in, in many of our stories, hasn't it? Maybe it still is for some of us. But we, we sort of think, you know, God's, God's pretty pleased with me. I'm doing doing reasonably well. Remember the, the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector? I thank you, God, that I'm not like other men. That, pro, that propensity to deceive ourselves, to say, well, you know, I'm doing okay. I don't really, really need a savior. And what a, a mercy of God it is whenever God helps us to, to see ourselves, to see through that deception. Remember, I think it was Rico Tice who said that part of his story of his conversion involved him uh, believing that he was a great gift to society and, and owing it to society to, to, to write a diary so that the future generations could reflect on his life. And uh, uh, he, he began to, to write uh, some of the things about himself every day. And as he started to write, he began to see himself as he really was and realized he was a dreadful sinner. In a host of ways, you see, we, we, we lie to ourselves. We, we also are able to lie to God, aren't we? The most famous story, of course, of that is, is the story of Ananias and Sapphira who, who come and they, 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 they don't think they're lying to God. They, they think they're lying to the church. But they say that they've given a great gift, that they've sold a, a, a field and they've put the whole lot of the money in front of the church. And, and, and the uh, apostle Peter says, uh, what made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. And Ananias and Sapphira both are, are judged. They, they both die. They'd lied to God. And we think, how terrible. But, but yet we, we, we think of the times that that, that we say things to God that, that at some level we know are not true. Some of, them is some of the things we sing. When we're expressing 100% devotion and commitment, and, and yet actually there's another strand of, of our heads that is saying, now leave me alone, Lord. I'm, I'm committed enough. I want some of my life to call my own. Or, or maybe we make bargains with God. Anybody ever done that? If I get through this, Lord... I'll do this or that. And yet we so rarely follow through on that. It's one of the, 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 
Interesting stories about Martin Luther and his whole journey to faith in Christ. Remember, he was caught in a lightning storm and he thought he was going to die and he prayed to St. Anne as, as he understood at the time that St. Anne would, would hear his prayers and he, he, he pledged that if he got through this, if he was preserved through this thunderstorm, he would become a monk. And he went on to do that indeed. So rare, isn't it? We make these pledges to God and, and yet sometimes we don't carry through on them. We can so easily lie to God. But, but perhaps the most common way that we lie is, is that we lie to others. And we do this in a whole host of ways. You know, they say that the Eskimos have got lots of words for snow because they're so familiar with it. Well, think of some of the words that we have with, for lying, being untruthful, bearing false witness, con, concoct, deceive, delude, distort, dupe, equivocate, exaggerate, fabricate, fake, falsify, fib, fudge, make-believe, misguide, misinform, mislead, misrepresent, perjure, phony, prevaricate, put on. These are our everyday words, aren't they? Sometimes we lie to live by, by saying nothing. James is very familiar, isn't he? Very realistic about the, the sins of the tongue. This is what he says. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by the fire of hell. I remember hearing a story about a man who was converted. He was a market trader in, in, in uh, east of London. And uh, he, he said, you know, uh, being converted for me was such an incredible relief. He said, I was, a, I, I was a, a, a bit of a Dell Boy character. I was into all sorts of deals and scams. And I used to walk through the market and I couldn't remember which lies I told to which people. And it became very complicated. And then I, I, I was converted and all I had to do was tell the truth. It was so simple. But we know that's all too rare. Think of the, the gossip and the rumor that people spread. The things that grow in the process, even if we suspect they're not true. And sometimes we've got to admit that as, as Christians in churches, we're not, we don't have a great track record in these areas. And we use flattery. Alistair Begg says, gossip is something said behind someone back that, uh, gossip is saying something behind somebody's back that you would never say to their face and flattery is saying something to their face that you would never say behind their back well it's lying isn't it in Psalm 12 we read it earlier David is just broken hearted by the, the, the speech of the world around him in which he's part Help, Lord, for the godly are no more. The faithful has vanished from among men. Everyone lies to his neighbor. Their flattering lips speak with deception. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and every boastful tongue. As James says, if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man. We know this, don't we? Which of us is never at fault in the truthfulness of our words? So, so, so there's the problem. Where does it come from? Why is this a problem within our world? Where does it come from? Well, Jesus once had an encounter with the Pharisees, and he said this to some of them. This is from John 8. He's saying to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and now I am here. 
I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? You are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. It's interesting, isn't it? Jesus says that lies are the, 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 the natural language of the evil one. And so whenever we speak in lies, we're speaking with that devilish dialect. You remember whenever Satan comes at the fall, he deceives Eve. You remember he cast doubt over God's word in all of this. You know, God's word is the standard. It is all true. Did God really say, he says? And then he's bolder and he flattery contradicts. And Eve says, the serpent deceived me. And he prompts sin and he turns us into liars because so often whenever we, we lie, we, we're lying to, to prevent people from seeing us as we really are. You know, that's what happens at the fall. We, we, we hide from God. Remember Adam and Eve hide in the, in the, in, in the bushes, as it were. And, and then they hide from each other. They, they clothe themselves, fig leaves and so on, because they are ashamed of how they are with each other. So they're hiding from God and they're hiding from each other. How do you hide from each other? Well, you lie to each other. They don't want each other to see what they're like. And so they're turned into liars. And the effects of that, you see, tumble down through the generations and, and, and we do what they did. We, we lie to protect ourselves because we are like them. We are covered in shame. Why do we do it? Well, so, so that's the next thing. Sorry, we, we've got the problem. What's the next one? It was the source, the father of lies. The next one is the reason. And, and the reason is because God's not first. Why do we do it? So one of the things that we've said about the commandments is that we never really break any of the commandments without breaking the first commandment. Have no other gods before me. God should come first. And so whenever we break the other commandments, it's partly because we've not put God first. So you see, whenever we lie, there's something that we must have. Maybe we feel that we, we need to be thought well of. We must be popular. We, we must not look a fool or, or lose face. We, we lie because at that moment, you see, something else has become number one in our lives. We've allowed it into the place of God. And so whenever we break the ninth commandment, whenever we lie... We not only break that commandment, we also break the first commandment at the same time. We almost always do. Because at that moment, you see, we've got this false God, this idol, the, the, the God who says to us, what you really need is popularity. What you really need is to see a face. But the God says to us, what you really need is me. So, so the reason you lie, the reason I lie, is because we do not really believe the gospel at that point. We do not believe that all that we need is found in Jesus Christ. We do not believe that he is the source of our, our worth and our happiness and our meaning and so on. We lie because we don't rest in the gospel. You see? That's the, the reason. What's the solution? What, what do we do? Well, it is, of course, in the gospel. How can we be truthful people? Well, well, the answer is, is both outside of us and inside of us. It, it, we, we need to turn 
for the solution outside of us, but it must come inside of us. So, so God changes us from the inside out. David says about the Lord, surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You desire truth in the inner parts. Jesus says this in, in Luke chapter 6. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks. Such an important principle, isn't it? In, in all of Christian thinking, especially in Christian living, that it is an inside-out thing. It, it is, it, our words are the overflow of our hearts. You know, sometimes people say things and they say, oh, you know, I, I, when I said that, it wasn't really me. Actually, it was, because out of the overflow of our hearts, the mouth speaks. In other words, if we're going to make progress in this area, it's, it's got to be with a changed heart. You know, external religion won't do it, just, you know, rules that, that sort of say, Uh, Well, here's what God wants. Try harder. Do do this better and he'll be pleased with you. That's no good because that's just going to crush us. It's it's not going to change our heart. The the heart is the key, you see. Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. So so the answer must must deal with our hearts. Religion tries to change us from the outside in, but, but God changes us from the inside out. He gives us a a fresh spring, a wellspring of life, a fresh spring. Remember what we said about why we lie. We're looking for something. We're, we're, we're looking for standing or popularity or security or safety. You think about that. Think about the last time you exaggerated the truth. You increased your dart score. You what was going on in your heart? You thought, I want these people to think well of me. I want to look a little bit better. What, what, that's what's motivating us, isn't it? Think of the last time that you, you told a lie. And you see, one of the things that we've got to understand is that that, that need will not be satisfied by a lack of the truth. Our, our needs... Brothers and sisters, they're only satisfied by one thing, by one person, Jesus Christ. That's the answer. He's the answer. You see, in the gospel, you know, we know this, don't we? In the gospel, he, he gives us approval. He offers us approval. He offers us meaning. He offers us security. He, he offers us the very thing that we work in so many other devious ways to try to get with no success. And you think of what he went through in order to give us this. He is crucified, high As the result of false witnesses. Remember, they found two liars who could agree, who could say that he had threatened the temple. And on their false testimony, he was sentenced to death. Jesus died because of lies to rescue liars and to transform them. Do you see, if you're here today and you're a believer... Jesus loves you. He, 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 he died for you. Because of that, you have ultimate approval. 
And therefore, you do not need anything else other than that. You are free, and you are free to cease your pursuit of everything else apart from him. So you're free to speak the truth in love. Free from your old father, the father of lies, and brought to a new father who is the truth. What would your life be like if you believed that? Well, let's pray that that family characteristic would mark us each one. Let's pray together. We thank you that we come in the name of the one who said that he is the way and the truth and the life. We thank you that all the words of God are true. We thank you that in him there is no lie. Lord, by your spirit you live in your people. You live in us. And we pray increasingly that we may know what you have done for us in the gospel. And so we pray that we would be set free from all other devious self-aggrandizements, that we may rest in Jesus and thus speak the truth. We pray in Jesus' name.